Hey, it's the Gear of the Year show. This is a tradition going back a little while. Jordan Drake is back. He's been here before. Every time we choose our favorite tech and our favorite cameras and then more cameras. And this year, there's a lot of cameras. Um, but thanks for coming back one more time, Jordan. How many years has it been? Can you remember off the top of your head? I I think this is seven. Oh, my. Because this goes back God. to cameras wow. or whatever. So. That's a lot. That's actually, I wasn't even going to guess that much. So I, somebody else fact check him on that. But then I've also got a newcomer here, Patrick Tommaso, which uh, we're going? good Twitter friends, but not, uh, you haven't been on the show before. You do your own YouTube. You've got your own podcast. You got it all going on. Jack of all trades, master of none. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> taking a little personally that you picked me for the 2020 new person. <laughs> I don't know if there's a correlation there. It being such I don't know. a crazy it's, it's year. It's your year. 2021's your year. So, uh, yeah. so I'm glad to have you. I mean, I feel like you've been picking up steam too. You've been like releasing more like on a regular schedule with your videos and stuff too. Which is great yeah, to it's see. been good. I'm trying to dive into a little bit more. I mean, the pandemic, as we all know, has just given us a little bit more time for good or bad reasons, of course. But <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it's been it's been fun to dive into it, especially this year for sure. Cool. Well, I very appreciate coming on. And uh, and you're here to add a little balance because, as we all know, Jordan doesn't um, know anything about technology. He <laughs> uh, carves into a stone tablet. Um, and, uh, well, no, so whenever I try to talk to Jordan about this, I'm like, so, uh, yeah, like computers, right? And he's like, what do you mean computers? Uh, I, he, yeah. Every three years, I go into the Mac store and I say, my computer's yeah, not good. So give me this many dollars of computer. And they give me that many dollars yeah. of computer. And that's good for another two to but three But we've got years. a lot of categories. So I, this year's I, an exception. Well, next year's going to be assume, an exception. I assume you sure, did tons but, of homework for this. Uh, and our first category is uh, sort of, you know, computer of the year, which... Man, okay, first of all, if it doesn't get said at any other point, and I'll say it a thousand times, this was the craziest year for tech announcements. Like, as I look through all the options of things to choose, especially cameras, also computers, like, (laughs) this will be one of the biggest years looking back, at least on a short-term scale. We haven't found out yet if this is going to end up, like, any of the things that came out in 2020 are going to be, like, iPhone events. I mean, okay, none were iPhone events, but, you know, huge landmark uh, era defining announcements. I don't know if that happened yet, but we do have some of the biggest things of the last at least, you know, of of like a five year before and after announcements. Am I am I at least right about that? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, let's start with computers. Here, I'm going to read the categories first, so everybody knows what's coming up. We got computer, app, stills, camera, hybrid camera, video camera, accessory, which take that as you want, uh, a movie or a series. I expanded the category this year. Uh, video game or board game, if you want it, I guess. Um, book and podcast. Um, so that's it. I, I hope everybody's got some answers to to debate. But uh, this first one may not have a lot of debate going into it. I'd be shocked if it does. Let's talk about computers. Um, I happen to use a lot of Apple computers, so I'm sure everybody could guess more or less roughly what I might choose. Um, I, so I'm going to be specific. We all know that the M1 series came out this year, but I would choose one that I didn't end up using, actually. So I'm, I'm sort of reaching out and guessing based on other people's reviews. But I'm going to go with the MacBook Air because it is as powerful as something like a MacBook 16-inch with no fan. And that's insane. And it's very reasonably priced. So I don't know. Uh, Patrick, am I wrong? Yeah. No. I mean, if I had Yeah, to, I am. <laughs> I, got, I got the Mac. No, I don't think you're wrong. I got the Mac Mini. So I got the M1 Mac Mini. And I, for a little bit of like background, I was coming from a mid-2015 MacBook Pro. So this is like 
a monumentally massive upgrade. And because I already had an iPad Pro, I was basically thinking, do I really need another laptop? Do I need another like Apple Silicon processor for on the go? And you know, it's a pandemic, so we're at home. And so also it was just one of the cheaper ones when it first was announced. I was like, what do I have to lose here? It's like under a thousand bucks basically, right? And if anybody's seen my video on the M1 Mac Mini when it first came out, I've never been more excited in a video before. <laughs> so that was like, for me, when I rewatched that video now, I'm like, wow, I wasn't excited about anything else that I've probably ever done on my YouTube channel before than this computer. And you know, now that we're a few months into actually owning it, my, my thoughts are exactly the same. I've had some little issues with Bluetooth here and there, which I won't really get into on this, of course. But I mean, it's a huge paradigm shift, like we've heard. Uh, but for me, like this is like a groundbreaking computer for me from as a freelancer, as a YouTube creator, whatever, uh, just the speed, everything, and just how affordable it is. Like, it's just, it's crazy. And this is, all the, this is also the year that I bought a PC and that's just collecting dust. So oh. there you go with that. <laughs> well, do you think it's going to hold up as like a big production machine, especially, you know, I'm curious to see what happens as these bigger computers roll out. Like once there is a 16 inch, once we have an iMac with the Apple Silicon processors in there, I mean, like we're so surprised right now because they're so fast relative to what they are, but it's going to get faster and our expectations yeah. are going to be raised really quickly. Um, are you going to keep using it or are you just waiting for the, the bigger options to be announced? Yeah, the way I've kind of justified this and I've said this with two other creators who are like contemplating whether or not they should get one now is like for me, it's a business, right? It's like I need speed now. I can't kind of wait for speed because I was coming from a slow machine, right? If you already had a 16-inch MacBook Pro or something, you have a good Mac Pro and iMac, whatever. I don't think it makes as much sense. But for me, like I've paid for it tenfold already just from the speed advancements that I have now. And what I'm considering is when the new ones come out, I'll have to make a decision. Is whatever that speed improvement worth whatever it's going to cost over what I have now in terms of will I be able to make my investment back on the new one? But at the same time, when it does come out, I'm thinking why not? I already paid for this one essentially for the work that I've done. So if this one's 2000, 3000 and I can use it for the next five years instead of a year with this one, it seems like a bit of a no brainer because the baseline is just so crazy now. So we probably see a lot of videos come up being like, is it worth upgrading? You know what I mean? Like that could be what happens. Like we'll see computers that are two, $3,000 or whatever over a thousand dollar laptops. And we'll be like, is it worth it? Like brass tacks, is it really worth the performance improvement? But of course it's, it's too early to tell, right? I mean, we're suddenly having the same leveling of the playing field with computers that we kind of experienced with cell phone. Like as phone cameras mm. and processors got really good, we were it opened up all the opportunities for beginners that like, well, you know, their parents bought them an iPhone and now they're filmmakers on the same level as, you know, everyone that they're seeing online and have access to the same apps and software. And, uh, you know, if you want to be a TikTok star making sh short videos or whatever it is, like <laughs> you can produce amazing stuff as good as everyone else. Cause like, no, even the president drinks Coke, like same situation just yeah. happened with computers. It's like now the, the $1,000 computer for everyone can totally crush video editing, can edit in 4K, can run After Effects half decently, uh, is going to be weirdly decent at gaming because of the way that Unity is going to cross over and uh, many other, like just there's this super long list of like, wow, we're all going to have access to something amazing for a reasonable price. Jordan, um, what, what do you think of all this? Well, I'm really thinking, because I've got an older like 2017 um MacBook Pro 15, I'm really thinking of grabbing just a MacBook Air as a stopgap for when I have to work with H.265 video, because, I mean, the Sony A7S yeah. III and the Canon R5 just destroyed this thing this year, where otherwise it's been fine working with most 4K. So, And then, inevitably, I know I'm going to get the 16-inch 
uh, version whenever that is, the M1 whenever it does come out. But um, yeah, I'm really thinking about it because the amount of time I'm wasting right now with those much more demanding compressed files, like, or I can just buy a stack of hard drives and shoot everything all I, which is what I've been doing. And uh, it's killing me. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We're in this weird transition phase. Speaking of that, the way that you shoot and the slowness of video where it's like, I thought I had 4k under control. I thought I could edit any footage that you threw at me. And all of a sudden, like these new cameras, they didn't, I don't know, whatever. We'll get to that when we talk about cameras, but, um, uh, I feel like we can keep moving because it's like, we're all kind of in agreement. Everybody knows how great of a year this was for Apple. I'm very curious to see how the PC world responds. If we were gamers, we'd probably have more to say about GPUs as well, because like every year NVIDIA is just like running and then Radeon is catching up like over and over. Like the race over there is really exciting. I don't happen to use any of it, but I don't know. It's yeah, it's a crazy, it's a crazy year for all of it. Um, Absolutely. uh, The next category I have is best app of 2020 wants to go first uh I don't, I don't i don't think it came i don't mean does the category it doesn't have to come out in 2020 right it's just maybe the app you use most yeah mine did, mine didn't come out in 2020 i just think it has to make cool. sense for like an example would be which i would not choose would be zoom <laughs> it's like that is absolutely <laughs> yeah. an app of 2020 even though you know i've been using zoom for for quite a few years before that for work stuff but it uh you know it it took off so i don't know what do you, what do you got I mean, for me, I think it has something to do with the AirPods Max coming out, maybe even the AirPods Pro coming out too. I mean, that's not really 2020, but I've been using Tidal a lot, which sounds crazy because it seems like it's the the dark horse of the streaming apps in terms of music. But it's one of those things where I tell people, at least get the trial. There's like a 30-day trial, of course. And if you're someone who uses Apple Music, if you're someone who uses Spotify, what you'll find is when you try Tidal for the first time, if you're even remotely into any type of audio, you don't have to be a full-blown audiophile in any sense of the word, but there is just such a clarity difference when you do use hi-fi and you know not taking money into the equation it is obviously a little bit expensive if you start having all these different streaming apps it's kind of becoming what's happening with like you know netflix amazon prime and all these different streaming apps we have and do you really need three different ways to listen to music apparently i do because i've just been using title quite a bit and of course album music comes with your phone and i do love spotify because it's all integrated but for me i think title the hi-fi music has just been one of the most used things that I've used this year. And I think it has a lot to do with, cause I got AirPods max and I've been trying to get a little bit more into the audio side of things as an audiophile, as much as I don't want to call myself that. But if you have time, or if you want to check it out, it's worth at least giving the trial a shot. That is so not what I would have guessed. Cause I, before you said it, I literally did not know the title was still around. So oh, nice. <laughs> it's, it's a Even double better. surprise. It's, it's a PSA. It's a PSA too. Yeah. It's still out there. <laughs> it lives. How much, how much yeah, is it, it uh, Canadian? Uh, I think it comes out to like same as Spotify. It's around eight, eight to ten dollars, something like that. I believe. Don't don't quote me on that. I'm trying yeah, not yeah. to look at what my subscriptions are. It could be a lot more. I just kind of let it forget it, set it and forget it. But yeah, oh, I, thirty I'd day trial did, is at least worth. Until I said that out loud, I was like, oh hey, wait, we have an all Canadian panel today. That's kind of fun. <laughs> um, oh, that's fun. Yeah, for sure. Jordan, what do you got? Do you have you used your phone in the past yeah. year? Well, one thing that I really started mixing up, and I think this will be like apply to a lot of creators, is. Uh, you know, I would occasionally take a look at the uh, YouTube analytics, um, just see how things are going, you know, immediately after a video was put out. Uh, and then just this year, I don't know why it took me so long, I put YouTube uh, Studio on my phone. And it's Wait, actually... Wait, You just yeah, this up. year? Just That's... this year. I was... <laughs> I don't want, I don't so want my work coming, but then I realized, like, yeah, my work is everything else on my phone. It might as well be on there as <laughs> <Yeah>. well. <laughs> uh, but I know this is something that came up on... Um, 
uh, on Twitter a little while ago, Tyler, was the um, asking for subscriptions and things like that, which, you know, we did as a, you know, relatively meaningless, throw it in at the end. And we started doing it mid-video and being like, hey, look, the, our success is judged in our company by our subscription numbers. Uh, this is really, really important. And we had the biggest subscription month we've ever had. Um, wow. So little things like that that I typically wouldn't pay attention to, I'm starting to more, and it's actually really paying off. So uh, yeah, it might seem like an obvious one, but it's one that I was kind of neglecting and uh, it's made things work better. This year. So how do you phrase that? I mean, I, I was just watching as you had Desperation. Your, your best and worst of 2020. And <laughs> uh, yeah, cry, it's like a full on telethon yeah. where you like take a five minute break and you're like showing yeah. f- photos of Chris Nichols looking sad. Well, I don't know when this is coming out, but I think I can spoil it. So next month, um, if we can hit uh, a certain target by Valentine's Day, Chris gets to choose the camera that I film the show on for a while. So he's looking oh, at Rebel, Rebel T2 eyes or like my, the XC10, Amazing. my least favorite camera of all time ever. So, uh, <laughs> so we'll see. Just doing things like that. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things where subscriber numbers were steady. We didn't pay attention to them. And it turned out we could be doing a lot better with them. So. So you heard Jordan go subscribe to DP Review TV. Please, God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I the, the Twitter conversation for anybody that missed is I've always in, intentionally, this is getting so off topic, but I've always very intentionally not called out like, hey, and if you like what you're seeing, go subscribe. Um, and th- the reason for me is like, I feel like most people that, use the subscription button on Twitter, on YouTube, which is not everybody. Like I didn't subscribe to anybody for years. Um, they know where it is. And if they're liking the channel, they like have it built into their routine. And, and a lot of people I think do it really poorly. Tons of videos. It's like the beginning of the video, the opening thing. It's like, hi, my name is so-and-so. And if you like what you're seeing here, you should ring the bell, mm-hmm. subscribe. And it's like, dude, I haven't watched the video yet. I don't know if you're any good. Like, who are you? <laughs> so yeah. uh, I was really allergic to that. But yeah, from what you said, and uh, Renee was also saying this, and Gerald, I don't know, a few people were mentioning it all at once that like, no, it makes a difference. Bringing yep. it up seems to actually make a dent. So who knew? Who knew? What you got, Tyler? That. <laughs> Patrick, uh, you got an app? He did do an app. Title. It's your turn. I did it. It's your turn. Oh, you did an app. You said title. I already forgot title exists. <laughs> Second time today. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, I got an app. My my app was not released uh, in 2020, and I just feel like it. It really it took off for a lot of people. Like it's very present, and I started using it, so that's you know maybe why it's mine. I think it still needs to prove itself to me in 2021. So maybe I'm doing this a little preemptively. It's only been the past few months I've been on it, but that's Notion, and mm. um, nice. you have probably seen it around a little bit. Are you the are the two of you using it? No. No, Jackson Hayes keeps trying to get me to use it, but uh, I haven't got around to it yet. So you're the second major recommendation that I should probably try it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm still slightly into between because I'm such a disorganized person that creating any sort of system for myself is kind of risky. It's like, you know, as soon as I start putting more time into the system than into doing the things, it all falls apart. Uh, I've tried various apps in the past. What I've really enjoyed about Notion is that it's it's really simple to just start doing something like to just create a basic layout of you know it's sort the the way that I started and what a lot of people can start with is like a, a table which is you know like sort of like a spreadsheet and that's and that's all it is and your uh, good examples for like tracking projects but what's 
really nice about it is you can start expanding those out in a way that it's like you're kind of building your own app. So if you've put your upcoming YouTube videos in a spreadsheet, you're also able to view that as a calendar view. And you can also convert that to a Kanban uh chart where you're able to like move projects through the progress of how much they've been done. You're able to tag them. You're able to add other members and assign them roles. And part of the reason this started up is because yeah, we have a new staff member here that's been uh, editing for us. It's going to be editing this right now. And so it's like very helpful to be able to pass stuff, um, keep track of what we're passing back and forth. Uh, and so far it's been great. Um, there's, I mean, the only the only risk is what I say. It's like, is the overhead worth it? And everybody's got to figure that out for themselves. I think if I was just doing it by myself, I probably I wouldn't find it worth it. It'd be easier for me to just keep doing my little like to do notes in my Apple Notes app or in my to do lists. But being able to communicate with somebody else, the team member like that, is super helpful. So, Notion it is. Hmm. Any runner ups? Anybody? I mean, I can go down the whole path of I still use Visco nonstop, even though they oh, just yeah, updated. Yeah, yeah. I'm not too ha- I'm not too happy with the new update, but uh, nope. we'll see what happens in the, ne- in the next few updates. Yeah, it's still my favorite processing engine. Just the way that it deals yeah. with color, the way that it, simple things like the way that it does exposure and white balance. I just prefer it. Totally, like, it, <laughs> it easily it quickly comes out looking better than than the others, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I agree. I, also, I feel like I honorable mention, even though I'm not into it, like 2020 was also the year of TikTok in a ridiculous way that is, I, even though I'm an old, I can't ignore it. And we, and it's maybe even on my mind because it hit us this week where uh, Anya posted, we shot a reel for Instagram. She has TikTok and she's like, oh, I'll just post it over here too. And it totally like blew up. It's like 300,000 in a couple of days and off of an account that has no followers. And now she has followers as well. It's like the, the ability to bring in a massive audience instantly out of nowhere. Have, I've never seen this before. And it also seems like real engagement. It's not like when... For a while, Facebook was really inflating their number, their views on videos. And I think it's because anybody scrolling past it would get counted. TikTok, I don't know, maybe they're counting them aggressively, but there also is ridiculous engagement. Like there's also the people are there and almost every year of 2020 was the most downloaded app. So that's got to be saying something. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm just always looking for a way to use licensed music for vignettes. So this is great. Uh, that's the one appeal I can see for TikTok is, <laughs> yeah, you know, no if I want to do a bunch of songs with the word burn in it and zoom in on a Canon R5, <laughs> I've got a legal way to do it now. So that's very exciting for me. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm curious to see how like monetization comes out of it maybe this year with TikTok for creators. I still feel like it's a little bit of like a, maybe an elite crowd has access to that in any respect, but like there's, we've seen all these like overnight successes of, like you said, like, you know, you get a hundred thousand followers from like two TikToks. I'm waiting to see, like, maybe I got to dabble in it more. Maybe I'm too old for it too, but I'm waiting to see like, when can you monetize that in a way that makes sense for creators too, to be like, this is actually a really viable, maybe like alternative revenue stream if you're also doing, because we're all kind of gravitating away from Instagram too, in a sense, right? So that could be a place for us to go in the future. So that's what I'm more curious about with TikTok for sure. Yeah, it will happen. Like like yeah. other platforms, um, it, you know, first the kids show up and then the adults all think it's only for kids, but then it becomes yeah. so full of normal content that we can't stay away and we ruin it for the kids and they move somewhere else. So exactly. um, the difference, <laughs> the difference with TikTok compared to say Snapchat or other 
success stories recently, I think is that TikTok has been hitting critical mass. No, terminal velocity is really what I'm thinking. Like the speed of growth has been unlike anything else. And that's the reason I have a feeling they are going to be propelled past that ability for Facebook to steal their concept, which is, you know, what's happened totally. so many other times. Like we, we kind of forget how aggressive and insultingly blatant Facebook and therefore Instagram is about just stealing ideas. Like this is your totally. idea. I want that idea. I am taking it. It is now Instagram's idea. Um, and it's kind of gross, but it's been working for them. Yeah. And this time I feel like TikTok has gotten big enough, fast enough that they might be able to transcend that, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, because I definitely don't think Reels is going to do it, like from at least what we've seen so far. Right? Yeah, not yet. <laughs> I've got uh, I got cameras coming up, and this might take this might take up a lot of time, so we can't get completely <laughs> bogged down in it. Um, maybe we'll start with this one. I think can go through the fastest, and that's best stills camera, best photography camera of 2020. Uh, I'll, I'll go first on this one, and I didn't I didn't try a ton that I really like invested myself into enough to understand them uh jordan i'm hoping you can go through a whole list of every single thing that was announced i've touched it all (laughs) yeah but i I got it i've just got to say the canon r5 has been absurdly good it's like it just delivers on everything we've been hoping for for so long we waited forever for canon to to see we waited to see what canon was going to do in the mirrorless world like why aren't they getting into this why are they letting sony run away with it and once the r5 and r6 came out and you know what i kind of think of them like a bundle i feel like the r6 can share this crown if it's what you happen to need it's not a worse camera it is just meant for a different audience to me um those two are so much of what i hoped for and part of the reason i feel like this doesn't have to be a long category is because we really are just starting to plateau feature wise and quality wise where it's like everything there are so many really excellent cameras and a funny thing I noticed is we have done a few shoots this year where uh, we both had some R5 and R photos of the shot at virtually exactly the same time. And when I'm sorting through them afterwards on the computer, I'm like, I don't know which is which. Um, so that's that's like the kind of interesting thing that I, I feel like we, we have been chasing this like uh, image quality, image quality every year. But the R is a 5D Mark IV sensor. And... Uh, if if it's not if it doesn't jump out at me full size in Lightroom or Capture One, you know what are we so worried about when it comes to image quality? So um, R five, it's all about uh, usability. That's like really where it delivered that uh, we're really lacking with the R uh, and just sort of yeah like more well rounded feature set. Um, but. I don't know. Well, am I crazy, Jordan? What are all no. the other cameras that I'm thinking? I mean, I'm I'm R five <laughs> for camera of the year as well, and I think you touched on it right at the end is usability because I was just like, I hope it one day feels as good as a DSLR, but I prefer using the R five to like a five D four or something. You got the triple control dials on it, uh, which makes a big difference. The touchscreen interface is a lot better thought out. It's just a better experience using it. And I, whenever I give it to a photographer, there's no it's so well thought out. There's no learning curve for them. They'll start intuitively using the tracking, right? Because they're used to putting their center point on their subject, but now it's tracking their eyes and everything, uh, just like Sony's done, but in a body that feels really good. Uh, and their image quality, like you said, it's it's caught up to everyone else. So even, you know, I work for DP Review. We take underexposed pictures and we push them like crazy. And if you do that, the R5 is still competitive with everything else out there. So uh, that would definitely be my pick. I'm going to throw one wild card in. Cool. 
So I'm a, I mean, maybe, maybe people know this about me, but I'm a huge Fuji shooter. Mm-hmm. And Fuji did let me play with the X-T4 and the XS10 this yes. year. And I'm actually going to give... I'm going to give it to the XS10. I loved, loved that camera as a still, yeah. As a still shooter, I think it's, you know, it's everything I kind of like about an X100V, but you have interchangeable lenses, right? It's small, it's compact, it's got good ergonomics. It's fun to kind of carry around for a street shooter, but then you're still getting that X-Trans sensor that is like an X-T4 or an X-T3. So the image quality is up there with cameras that are, you know, 1500, 1600, up to 2000. And we're talking about a 999 camera now that's tiny. I wish I had one with me still because it's so tiny. Like I would put it beside my X100, which everyone kind of knows is a small compact and it's basically the same size with a deeper grip so if you're APS-C Super 35 and especially everyone knows Fuji's colors are just wonderful with the film films and everything I had so much fun with the XS10 I'm really trying hard not to buy one to be honest with you right now I don't need it but it's definitely a camera I want I loved it so well, I didn't was, follow it at all. I kind of need to know what are what are you giving up from the XT4, which I did try. And based on that, I mean the XT4 was so damn good. Like I yeah. loved every moment with it, especially for video as well. Um, but what what do you lose by paying a little less? Go ahead, Patrick. I mean, Jor- Jor- yeah, Jordan would know the ins and outs of like the bitrate type stuff. For me, as like a practical sense, not a whole lot to be completely honest with you. When you start to look at it, and you're you're shooting with these, especially on the still side. If we're talking stills. Mm-hmm. You could blow both these images up, and you're you know I could never tell the difference. I don't think anybody in this chat could tell the difference when you see it from these cameras. You are getting some like I'm assuming more autofocus points and stuff with the XT4, and a lot more bells and whistles on that side of it. But actually, Jordan does it even does it even have no. more is, no the sensors so, the same right? Same autofocus system, same sensor. You yeah. do get a downgrade in terms of the viewfinder. Uh, it's a That's sharper, right, yeah. faster refreshing viewfinder, and there's no internal 10-bit recording or 4K 60. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it's the same battery even. Like, it's same battery, banging, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's such a good value. And I'm sure, like, a lot of people are saying X-T4 sales weren't quite what we were expecting because the X-T3 was so good. But I think as soon as this yeah. camera was even rumored, everyone's like, I'm going to save, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars and get, for, especially for photographers, the same thing. Uh, and yeah. the grip feels wonderful. This is the only it's grip so Chris good. and I have ever agreed on. I love it, and he yeah. loves it. And usually it's like, I like yeah. the big hand camera, he likes the small hand cameras. But it's wonderful. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's a tragedy to me that we can blow past some cameras that are this good with uh, because there are so many good ones right now. Like, the X-T4 is going to be a, a, basically a runner-up. And I'm not even going to think about it again. Like, I tried it for about uh, two or three weeks, and I'm like, oh, I haven't thought about it since. Because the the Canons have been so great, and even yeah. uh, you know Sony didn't really have so much in the still. There was no new R. That wasn't this 2020, right? No, that so, was last year. Uh, Sony didn't do anything new, but like they're still totally killing. It. Like everything is so good. Um, what any honorable mentions, Jordan? Anything we are totally forgetting about? Uh, well, Chris and I included on ours uh, the Nikon Z5, which is just a killer value. Um, you always you forget know. Nikon. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah just a very well-rounded. Ergonomics are great on it, uh, and it makes a lot more sense. It's, it's priced in their kind of higher-end stuff. Um, and I have to say, the Q2 monochrome from Leica is the most fun I've had with a camera in maybe three years. Like, it is amazing. <laughs> uh, just a black-and-white, 28-millimeter, full-frame camera. But why the monochrome is the most fun you've had compared to the not the not monochrome, the color. <laughs> well, I mean, I can always flip over, you know, the camera into black and white JPEG and shoot raw, and I'm getting a very similar experience. But if it is a true black and white sensor, and this is why, you know, red and phase one are still doing this, uh, the images are nicer. Uh, you have less noise uh, and more detail. Um, and I just find it's a 
it's a pleasure, even when I'm shooting black and white JPEGs with raw files, I'm still in the back of my mind thinking like, this sucks, but maybe in color it's going to pan out. Where if you know, like loading a roll of black and white film, this has to work in black and white. I find it just very satisfying. I, and it might be because I only had the camera for two glorious weeks, so it was a real breath of fresh air. I'm sure there's times I would go out with it and be like, man, this would be better in color. But it just was a very freeing experience where I almost forgot I could shoot video. I was just like, photography's fun and wonderful the whole time I had it. <laughs> so because we had so many good cameras, we decided to add another category of hybrid specifically. Um, maybe this will be pointless. We'll see. But, uh, you know, the, 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 this, this is especially just to take some of the pressure off the video category because the, there were so many video cameras. And, you know, are we going to be choosing the best of the best? So I have a feeling we'll end up talking about cameras that, you know, aren't so... Uh, much in like a mirrorless body, maybe in the video section, maybe we won't, mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see, but we opened up a hybrid category. Um, and I feel like I, maybe I need to, to, to figure this out a little, I put down the R5 as mine. I, I think I'll probably stick to that because it is, I mean, the video, the video is very good. I'm super frustrated with C-Log still. Yes. We have been promised that there will be C-Log 3. Jordan, correct me. It's still 3. It's not C-Log 2. Just 3 only. They haven't said 2 yet. Yeah. Um, that will change things a little, I think. That could that could bump this forward a bit. And it's the, the that's the really big thing in my books that the A7S 3 still has over the R5 <clears throat> is serious dynamic range. Like uh, S-Log 2 and S-Log 3 is not the same as C-Log. It has way more room for grading and way more latitude. And um, so that's the big letdown on the can. And it doesn't matter that it has RAW because with RAW, you can still, I, th- I think in Resolve, there's a workaround so you can get it to C-Log 3, but it has mm-hmm. the exact same dynamic range. Like it doesn't seem to actually be expanding it. Um, so I don't know. It's like, but it's very competent. I've really enjoyed it because of the image stabilization has made it such a good run around camera. So when I've had like the C200 as the A cam, I've picked up the R5 that is fully stabilized and just shot with it without a gimbal or a tripod. And you really can't tell afterwards, which is really amazing for full frame. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a very, very capable video camera. The overheating stuff, I've sort of forgot about it. I just, you know, I don't know. I, I, I know it was there, but it stopped bothering Dude. me after a while. So thinking about it, but <laughs> Um, but yeah, I still feel like because the stills are so strong and the A7S III doesn't have that covered at all, like, okay, the stills are fine, but they are below the threshold of minimum megapixels. Mm. Um, that's why I feel like it's got to go to the R5. Yeah, the one thing I would mention is the 4K HQ on that, I hope, is the direction that a lot of these cameras start going. Because I love super sampled 4K, like we got cameras that pull it from 6K or 5K. Uh, having something that detailed, but still storing it in 4K, like that's, I would much rather have very crisp 4K than the huge bandwidth that you need for 100%. 6K and 8K, things like that. Uh, I was just going to say, the C-Log thing, I was just out shooting with the R6 in the mountains uh, just last week. And yeah, the C-Log killed me like i'm shooting in the mountains and i did not have enough dynamic range it's trash it's, yeah. it's not good yeah uh, <laughs> and, and i feel like we, we kind of ignore it I, or not we pe- people because we were used to it it was like well i don't know hybrid cameras don't have a ton of dynamic range but all of a sudden they do and they're 10 bit so we can expect more from our uh, color profiles well when did the c300 original come out because that's when that profile came out so we've moved on a lot in sensors in probably the 10 years since that thing came out yeah for sure this to me this is software crippling like 
ab- you know, if Magic Lantern was available for the R5, it would be able to take those raw files and, you know, to, of course, make them C-Log3. So, Patrick? I'm going to go with the Lumix X5. I feel like it was a sleeper hit this year. I loved it. I, I just finished my review of it, too. I just gave it back to Panasonic. And it was a camera where I've been a bit of a detractor on full frame. I don't know why. I've just been a Micro Four Thirds guy. I have Blackmagic Pocket 4K. And now I've just started getting a Super 35 with the Fujis and whatnot. And this S5 is the first full, full frame camera I've used where I'm like, I'm, I have to buy this. I'm going to buy this at some point. I played with the 6K RAW, with the ProRes RAW. It's beautiful. It's got the full V-Log. It's not the V-Log L, which a lot of people are used to from like a GH5. GH5 is my holy grail camera. And the, the most simplest way to put the S5, it's, to me, it's just a full frame GH5. And the GH5 to me is a legendary camera. And to me, so that's like one of the best compliments I could probably give a camera is to say that to go from a GH5 to the S5. And now that lenses even like the size of the S5 is crazy because for full frame, if you look at like a 1235 on a Micro Four Thirds camera and put it towards, um, what's the kit lens on the, on the S5 again, Jordan? 20 to 60. The 2060, like they're almost exe- identical in yeah. size, which is crazy to me. And so now that we're seeing like full frame get so advanced in the technology and they're just getting smaller and smaller, full frame makes sense for me now. And if I'm going to get into it for a $2,000 body that's shooting way above its weight class, um, I love, love the S5 a lot. Yeah, I think it's a great counterpoint to the R5 because V-Log like, is my favorite log profile to work with, no yeah. question at all. Uh, and yeah, the raw output on that is lovely. If you can avoid breaking an HDMI cable, which I have now done twice oh, yeah. with that damn yeah. camera. So <laughs> I want micro HDMI. bigger... Oh bigger same cables, same problem on the r5 but did you Jordan, totally. did you actually did i miss that you selected one like did you agree on the r5 or yeah. are you, do you uh, no i was choice? actually gonna because i thought the r5 was too obvious and i knew that was gonna be your pick the uh, s5 <laughs> was my pick for that uh, oh, nice <laughs> as a hybrid but i do think like the s3 do we, should we throw that as video? Because I do think it's well, worth talking I mean, you know, about. I think it, can, it 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 qualifies for both. It yeah. you can choose it if you want is the best video camera. I just I'm gonna you know warning I won't like I don't think it is the best <laughs> of all the video cameras. So that's kind of weird. Like it's weird to not have it win anything because like it's crazy. It's such it's so an amazing good. camera. Yeah, it's, it is really um, good. Yeah, and in some people's books, it should it would win hybrid for some. For a lot of users, you know, what I remember, I this is a tweet. I it's not going to age well. Like when it was announced, I was like, "This is going to become like the new standard for anybody mm-hmm. that shoots in like a compact running go running gun kind of way that is used to using smaller cameras." Everybody's going to be picking this up, but that was before the R5 was announced and before all of the other video cameras we might talk about were announced. And it's like, whoa, it has a lot more competition than I expected. So, Well, I still think it's going to be a slow burn, like you mentioned, Patrick, the GH5. Uh, like, it sold well at first, but it's that it sold yeah. well for like five years that made it kind of the legendary camera that it is. Because there's no headline feature here that's going to make people run out and buy it. It's just when you're using it, it's a very good tool for professional like it's so good the fx6 is probably a good camera but i didn't give it a very good review because it's based on an a7s3 that's so mm-hmm. great for half the price and a lot better in a lot of ways um that if i were you know working events or uh, bts or something like that which a lot of people are it would be my number one camera for sure all right well let's move on to actual video cameras then jordan what's your number one video video camera I haven't got my hands on a C70, but I do think I'm going to have to give it. Like, I want to play with that yeah. camera badly. Yeah. Uh, it Likewise. makes a lot of sense. 
So, uh, and I just said, I did not enjoy using the FX6 very much. And I haven't gotten it read yet. So there's three there. <laughs> we and spoiled. Yeah, the C70 is the one I'm most eager to get my hands on. Well, I mean, I'm hoping for you guys' help because I actually, I did I write something? Down? I, I didn't, I did write one down, but I don't have a choice here. I do not know what the best video camera of the year is. So I feel like we got to figure it out right here. Uh, Patrick, can you help me out? <laughs> I, it's weird on paper i feel like it's the fx6 it's like the one that lee zavitz and i talk about it all the time because you know he's a sony shooter and he's going from a canon c200 mark ii he's like what's my next camera gonna be you know that 8-bit on the c200 starts to wear especially in 2020 2021 now so it's like what's the next thing and then you know the c70 being super 35 is one thing that's kind of throwing me off a little bit where i want to go to the sony because it's full frame and it's just uh, without playing with them yet i want i want to say the fx6 and Again, I haven't tried it yet, but from chatting with friends and whatnot, it seems like it would be the one that I'd want to use, but it could be one that I pick up and I can't stand, right? It's like, I have a Blackmagic Pocket 4K and I love the image quality, but I hate everything else about that camera, right? And it could be one of those situations too. And I could see that even happening with a C70 where it's like, what is this weird hybrid mirrorless DSLR body style, but it's a cinema camera and I could see that getting annoying or it could be amazing. And so it's a toss up for, for me between the FX6 and the C70, I think for sure. Mm -hmm. I could talk you into it in both directions. Like one thing I feel okay. like the FX6 is is maybe underrated for something I know I would use, even though um, I don't even know that much about it. I haven't tried this camera, but it has the same like gyroscopic stabilization in post as the sure, A7S3, yeah. right? The Catalyst Catalyst browser, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. I know it's a little bit of extra work to do that, but the fact that you can't do anything like that on the Canon, uh, you know, it does have the uh, digital stabilization that does something it's not useless but for professional work like you can see it it it's tracking your subject and so sometimes there can be a misalignment between the actual subject and the background you get this little bit of a wobbly effect or like just a weird weird rhythm or movement to the how the camera is actually tracking things um the that is not visible on what the what Sony is doing, and I feel like every camera needs to get on this immediately. Like this ability, yeah. if anybody hasn't seen it, basically the camera is tracking its gyroscope movements just like an iPhone does. This is why the iPhone stabilization is perfect, is because yeah. it's it's also using the accelerometer to know how it's moving and canceling those mo movements out exactly, not looking at the scene, but like physically, how did the camera move, and then applying that back to the footage. So that is. Awesome. I really like that, that Sony's doing that. On the C70 side, <laughs> down by the C side, the, um, <laughs> right, you were talking about the Super 35 sensor. Um, yeah. I didn't get to try the Speed Booster yet. I've played with Speed Boosters before, and they can be a mixed bag. The tests from this look great. And the fact that it's first party makes me not worried about some of the compatibility issues I've had before. I've had the Metabones make the whole FX7 flake out. Like, it, you know, it can have effects. And I am pretty sure that is not going to be happening. But all of a sudden, you get upgrades like, so I've got, I've got a 24 to 105 F4 stabilized Canon lens. Like, it's like the most accessible kit lens. They're everywhere. You can get them for cheap. That suddenly becomes... A 24, well, up, approximately, I think the conversion's slightly off, but once you've got that speed booster on, it's a 24 to 105, 2.8 stabilized lens for a really good deal. And like the, the that, that, like getting the additional speed, the full frame, almost full frame equivalence is like, wow, I'm just looking at all my lenses. I'm like, maybe I'm not going to switch from EF to RF. 
all my EF glass looks so much more appealing once it's a little bit faster and, uh, you know, the stabilized stuff still works. Like there's just, there's a lot to look forward to. And the way that that speed booster works is it clamps right onto the C70 and it can just live there. Like you can just treat it like this pretend forever that it's a full frame, um, uh, camera and, I don't know. That's that's how I imagine I'm going to shoot a lot. I'll find out if that's true in the end. And also one last detail about that. It made me realize that my Sigma 18 to 35, which I use all the time, I'm using right now on the C200, um, you know, 1835 1.8, it's been, everybody's used it so much. That's on a cropped sensor. So 1.8 has always been closer to 2.8. Now a 24 to 70, which I have a can 24 to 70, that becomes a 2.0. All of a sudden, you've got a bigger zoom range, and it's a 2.0 on kind of a superior lens. Like the for anybody that hasn't noticed, the 1835 has a lot of barrel distortion and a bit of extra chromatic aberration, even though it's really sharp. It does have optical issues. Um, so anyway, that was a lot. I just said a lot. <laughs> I guess. Uh, so which one did I sell better there? <laughs> I, I so want a devil's advocate quickly for both of these. Um, yeah, go for it. Because the FX6, uh, the Catalyst software. Uh, is a nightmare. Like it crashed on me constantly. I had so many exports of longer takes just would not kick out and you don't have any other third party options. It's got to go through that software. Uh, the other problem with gyro is it works great on your phone and it works awesome with faster shutter speeds or frame rates. But if you're a traditional 24 at a 48th of a second filmmaker, if you're moving the camera and you put your foot down, you blur a frame. And it doesn't matter how good the gyro is, only IBIS is going to counteract that. Uh, so when I did my walking tests, it's the same thing I'm used to seeing. You know, it's certainly better than a warp stabilizer. It has more information. But you do still have walk, 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 blurry frame, walk, 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 blurry frame, uh, which does drive me crazy. Um, and then the C70 speed booster advantage, um, the A7S... Uh, or sorry, the FX6 sensor is more sensitive. So, you know, you're not getting a stop less depth of field necessarily. Well, you're not when you use the speed booster. You're still getting full frame depth of field, but your lens is a stop brighter, but your sensor is a stop more sensitive on the FX6. So it does wind up becoming a wash at the end of the day. Right. It's tough. That's that's all Too fair. Much well, the, here's, what, here's what I actually wrote down. What I put as my favorite isn't any of those cameras, uh, even though the C70 is probably what I'm going to buy, I put down the red Komodo. Um, nice. And this is a race. It's like, it's not obvious. It's not obvious who's, you know, kind of winning this, but like the red Komodo was just the most exciting camera I used. I just, I loved shooting with it. Like it felt so good. Yeah. You all know that feeling when you pick up a camera and you're like, I just want to keep shooting with this. Like, I just want to make stuff. I want to keep this in my hands for as long as possible and keep hitting the record button. Um, and I, you know, it really felt good. The reasons that, um, I'm, I, I still keep trying to talk myself into it. The reasons I probably won't, um, you know, battery life on the C70 is going to blow it away. Like in a way that really changes how you work. I mean, it's, it's easy to, I don't know. We all have made sacrifices by using a mediocre battery life camera before because it has great image quality, but like, you know what? It, it can actually slow down a production. It mean that less gets done at the end of the day. Similarly, the raw footage means files are bigger. I right now transcode my raw stuff from the C200. Um, so, you know, you, you still have the flexibility, but you have to do another step first before you get it. Um, you know, it, it's, it, I think it's just, it's meant for somebody that isn't necessarily me doing YouTube all the time, like putting out a high volume of work. It would be the ideal thing for like the high end commercial work we do, 
But for the volume of things we put out, the C70 just fits our workflow better. Also, NDs. I hate external NDs. So. How did you feel about the cube form factor? Because that's, oh, that's something it. I'm kind of... No. Yeah, that's, so what, that's what I keep thinking so too. So good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially at yeah. that size. Like it... It makes me, it reminds me of a Hasselblad so much, especially because the screen yeah. is on top and you're holding it very comfortably in your hands and looking down at it. I'm like, this is how, I, this is all I want. This is all I want to shoot with forever. It's a better totally. form factor than the C70. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So. Yeah, my big wish last year when we did this, Tyler, is I said, I want more compressed raw video. Uh, and we did start to see ProRes raw and B-raw on cameras, but none of it right. internal because of Red's patents on that. Uh, and that's what I really do miss. Like, working with Red Raw is the best. Like, you know, every... Once every five years, I'll shoot some, like a short film or something with a red. And every time I say, I will never do that ever again. That was a nightmare until it's in post. And it's like, okay, well, that's sort of, I don't know if it was a hundred percent worth it. Um, but I yeah. am hearing the Komodo is also, cause it is, you know, a more consumer camera. It has to be less flaky than some of their mm-hmm. higher end stuff where, you know, you've got technicians on set. So, uh, from what I'm hearing, it is quite stable and reliable, which means I really, you know, if I, short film or a commercial gig or something that is a camera i would actually really look at hiring until it flakes out on set and i say i'm never going to touch another red again for another five years but we'll see what other ones did we forget about real quick uh bgh1 from panasonic which we uh, mentioned in the pre-roll just a very cool little small cube, cube. camera beautiful image it's weird because it's not cubes. full vlog but it's not vlog l i don't know uh it's this but it looks great it's, yeah it's it a plays beautiful well picture too, yeah yeah, yeah. The 12K uh, Blackmagic Ursa came out this year, too. Yeah, I was going to put a shout out to that. Not because of the 12K, which um, is probably great. Like, yeah, okay, 12K. I don't don't even care about 8K. But the sensor seems to be really, really exceptional. And that 12K footage, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's smaller file size than the 8K RAW coming out of the R5. Like, substantially for the 12K RAW. Like, you can actually practically shoot with it. both the compression because the compression is so efficient and DaVinci is so well optimized for it that most computers can handle it, which is like, that's really cool. They've done something amazing with that sensor. Um, I haven't shot with it. I probably never, (laughs) never will, but uh, it's obviously a cool camera. So I don't know. It was such a good year. We were spoiled, but um, so that we don't end up staying on this one topic for the whole rest of the show, which I kind of want to do. The next thing I got is just (laughs) accessory general, Tech accessory, filmmaking, photography accessory. This this is wide open. Uh, Patrick, why don't you kick this one off? I actually I went for an accessory that maybe isn't specific. I went more tech. Maybe you brought me on to be more tech, but I went more tech on this one for an accessory. And it's, I'm just going to give it to the Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro because that came out this year, and it was and it was like one of those things where it completely transformed the way that I use the iPad. It turned a device that I mainly used as a consumption device, something I would use to watch Netflix and stuff like that, or you know, browse email, Twitter, and whatnot, to a computer. I think it was like the first time I felt like the iPad really was a computer alternative. And so I've just loved that that Magic Keyboard. I will say since I got the M1, and I think if you have an M1 MacBook Air or the new 13-inch Pro, you probably will never need an iPad anymore because the speed is just so phenomenal with these new M1 Macs. But if you are someone that has an iPad Pro, the 2018 or the 2020 models, um, I just think that keyboard completely transforms it. Even though it's expensive, you know, Canadian, it's like 450 bucks. I think it's one of those things like the AirPods Max where once you finally have it at hand and you feel it, you understand like the R&D and the engineering that went into it because if you tried any other keyboard for an iPad, it's not even a contest. Like it's really not even a contest. Um, and so that's my accessory for the year. I bought it early on in the pandemic when it was announced and everything came out and it was like, do I need to spend this money right now with an uncertain future? But I, I went for it and I haven't regretted it since. 
Well, and along with the hardware aspect is just such good software integration too. Like bringing iPad OS to the point where having a mouse and keyboard feels native to it, like feels intentional and it's a fluid movement as you move between touchscreen and something in the physical world. Uh, Yeah, no, I think it's been really good too. I, I, well... I don't have to say why I wouldn't choose it. The only thing for me is I still don't use my iPad that much. That's like the only the yeah. only thing I can say against it is it's still an iPad. An iPad. But for me, yeah, totally. I'm such a Mac person. Like I just love the Mac. Yeah. So um, that, the only strike against it is I still want the iPad OS to come further. I want it to be able to do no, like, I have a more agree. complete yeah. workflow. So, uh, Jordan, I always hit you? a roadblock with, iP- with the iPad. Go ahead, John. I was just going to say, it didn't come out this year, but the um, the iFootage Cobra 2 monopod changed my life oh, this yeah, year. Yeah, I got one of those this year too, actually. That's it's so a, crazy. This, I, it's I shot phenomenal. On, I shot on Manfrotto fluid monopods for like 10 years and never thought I'd switch. And uh, Gerald, undone when he came to Calgary uh, to do the studio tour with you, Tyler, is like, dude, the way you shoot, like this will change your life. So yeah. I did it and it has changed my life. Like it's right now, it's just freestanding in front of my desk uh, with a yeah, yeah. Uh, GH5S and a 1025 on it, which I would never do with any other monopod. Uh, I love the option that you can just pop the feet off it and have a low boy. Uh, I use that constantly. Uh, it's solid. The snaps feel great. Uh, it's just like a perfect, like I have nothing to complain about. And it's been a, my job is to complain about things. <laughs> so uh, I love if it. If you do it. If you do a detective deep dive on my Twitter, there is a shot where I made an A-roll system, kind of Caleb Pike kind of style, where it's just like a one-man show kind of band thing, where I have a Blackmagic Pocket 4K with a V-mount, with a ninja on it, all facing me, and it's just sitting on the iFootage monopod. And everyone would be like, you're insane. That's that's crazy. (laughs) But you actually trust this thing so much, you're like, it's fine. You can walk around it, you can feel it. It's crazy how sturdy it is. It's a wonderful, wonderful monopod. I'm actually really sick of my Manfrotto. Like my Manfrotto um, catches. So, yeah. you know, there's a fluid ball at the end, but it's like it's popping all the time. It's like as you move yeah. it, it yeah, like yeah. jerks. And Anytime it you try shot. and shift the horizon in a shot, it pans beautifully. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that drove, that's what really inspired me to switch over because I was talking to Gerald again and it's just like, yeah, anytime we cut to coverage and there's no motivation, that's that monopod sticking <laughs> on me right there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have to check them out. I've, Gerald was also the one that showed me the first time of those. Um, mine is not 2020 as well, but it's just when I was like, what What have I used a lot? Actually, wait, no, I got a runner up as well. What have I used a lot this year? Like what just life accessories, what has been really integrated into what I do? And I was like, well, things I use every single day, I use my phone and I use my Mac nonstop and my AirPods Pro, like a hundred percent of the days there are a few hours where i have airpods pro in my ears um so how could i not choose them like they're just such so integrated into everything that i do and when they first came out i'd complained a bit about discomfort that totally went away i don't know i mean maybe it chiseled out the part of my ear that was hurting i don't know why it stopped hurting but they don't at all anymore and sound quality is there the it's, it's funny actually usually only wear one at a time so i end up not even using the sound isolation um which was I, exciting for travel which hasn't really been happening so much but like on an airplane it mean it, the the one flight that i took i didn't bring over your headphones because the isolation was good enough um yeah i don't know they're not new you it's not the first time anybody's heard about them but i'm like you know what i gotta just like keep giving credit 
to the whole AirPod line, really, it's like, I just use them so much and I like them so much. And I had wished for them for, for something like it for so many years that, uh, yeah, I mean, they're amazing. Uh, runner up dark horse that nobody would have guessed. This is a general, a general recommendation for anybody out there. And, uh, they're not sponsoring this episode, but, uh, an electric toothbrush of any kind. You actually don't have to follow my brand, but, uh, so I, I got a Phillips for a sponsorship that was sponsored. So, well, I should uh, censor that name out of this because they're not sponsoring this episode. But yeah, I'm like, okay, like, cool. Like, I can feel fancy and luxurious with my electric toothbrush. But you know what? The first time I used it, I'm like, wait a minute. My teeth were never clean before. I was never brushing my teeth properly compared to what this is doing. Like, it is totally game-changing in terms of both, like, how well it gets the shit off your teeth but also that it after talking to my dentist afterwards that like it's much better and I'm, this isn't just about the one i'm using a- any of the modern good electric toothbrushes are also way better for uh gum line um wearing it away what do you call that uh, uh re- 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 what's the word for <laughs> when you're wearing away your gums from over brushing like the aggressiveness of moving a toothbrush back and forth anyway it's like receding such a cheesy line. Receding, receding line. yeah. Yes, there you go. Uh, it's totally cheesy, but it like, it's it's. Just, I, I just look back. I'm like, yeah, no, that was kind of transformative, and I would never go back now. So I don't know anybody that's never looked into them. Uh, I know they seem kind of expensive, but you can't. What what I also did is you, the replacement brushes are where they get you, and you can order them on Amazon for like a hundredth of the price you know you can get like a 10 pack 10 pack for 10 bucks instead of if you go to the drugstore it's like 50 dollars for two so um i don't know that's it boom oral hygiene always important <laughs> yeah and <laughs> part, part of it actually i i kind of want to yeah i want to do like an episode where i talk about uh invisalign as well because I, I had them for the last year so i have a lot more uh hygiene oral hygiene tips yeah. than I ever had well, remember you got them in last time i was on for the best and worst oh, that was okay. your first podcast that was with a, yeah, them. Right. so i got a disclaimer yeah totally yeah it was like just over yeah anyway i'll talk about this another day uh <laughs> moving on to this is, this is a weird one this year uh mo- best movie is what the category previously was and just before we start recording i'll let you guys know that this could be movie or series because well first of all we've started to really blur the lines between tvs and tv and movies and almost no movies were released this year so um I've been I've been very shocked to hear how many other people don't miss theaters like I miss theaters because I really miss them a lot I love them yeah Jordan's shaking his head because he's, he's you a people fool. but uh, oh because he has kids because he has kids oh no <laughs> but, no um, I, I all I want is movie theaters back I keep saying oh, I that see, same yeah thing good, it, it's, good, it's good, no good. that's my sanctuary oh, I Thank, need it uh, yeah it's crazy to me so many people are completely on the opposite side so Patrick uh, are you on our side or. <laughs> I don't. I mean, you guys might know this, but like we bought a theater out to see Tenet, like just to make it safe. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I worked in high school. I worked at a movie theater through like three, four so years. So it's kind of just like a same set. here. Well, there you go. So, I, Cineplex and everything just has a sentimental value for me. So, me too. As much as I'm like totally into the home theater setup, and we've decked it out, and we've got a nice setup at home and everything to to watch things as the best quality we possibly could. But there's just a feeling of being in a theater that I miss. It's just the camaraderie and like, you know. 
when we saw Tenet, like it wasn't the movie that I was excited about. It was like walking out of a theater with your friends mm-hmm. and having that like post theater conversation like right away. I didn't even realize how much I missed that until we actually experienced it. And most people that came to that screening, there was only about 10 of us just to keep the bubble safe. But that's what most people took away. It was just like the feeling of being in a theater and witnessing and experiencing something, just the community of it. Like that's that's why I miss theaters and i love streaming and i've had no issue like watching blockbuster movies whatever it is like at home but i do i just miss that feeling of being a theater whatever it is like that je ne sais quoi that we can't even put our finger on like i hope that comes back at some point i started to put my finger on it a bit as i watch more movies more things at home part part of what's really important about it as well is that you focus like it doesn't even if the image quality isn't better which it usually is sometimes it's not but you're watching the whole time and you know it's not going to stop for you and you can't check your phone and you're not going to leave as easily to you know wander off to the kitchen for snacks like you sit there and you watch the damn movie which is hard to do with our (laughs) add adult uh tiktok brains um so there's so much value in that in in um the ritual of being forced into a theater um but anyway, not, none of us really were that much this year. So uh, I'll just go first real quick. I've talked about it on the show before, but mine is a series, and I'm going to say Ted Lasso because I just nice. really enjoyed it, and I just kept wanting to watch every episode one after the other. Uh, I wish there was more, but it was great. It's the perfect show for this period. Like, it is totally. legitimately heartwarming without being sappy. Um, and yeah. I saw some interesting stuff online. Like, it's a dude show that's not insulting, which it's been right. a very long time since there was something like that. Uh, and I think it really hit a nerve, which will hopefully inspire more stuff like that. Like, if you said it's a show about a, you know, even discount the coach, if you just said it's a British soccer team, I, I'm out. But oh, the premise does not. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the synopsis yeah. doesn't work for me at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it is wonderful, and it's so I love that because the morning show was clearly supposed to be Apple TVs. Like you know, this is our house of cards. This is our prestige mm-hmm. TV that's going to get you in there, and no one has mentioned it in quite a while. But we're all still talking about Ted Lasso uh, yeah. a while back, so it uh, it's interesting. Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of repeat the thing I said about it last time I brought it up. But what the the thing that felt so one of the many things that felt so good about it is like it is a dude show, like you say, like it's a lot of guys in it, and it's kind of kind of made for guys more or less. Although anybody can enjoy it, but it's such a um, f- usefully forward thinking perspective on masculinity, where it's like it uh, it doesn't. It both doesn't mean that like you can't be tough and be masculine like that. It can be part of it, but it's not required to like be a good person and be a good friend and be like part of society. And like it just had one of the best balances I've seen of like, here's where we could all look moving forward to like to be good guys, you know, the the kind of guy that, uh, you know, hopefully we may all want to be. So anyway, that's a that's kind of a sappy one. Uh, Patrick, what do you got? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie, actually. So I watched this recently. Uh, it's a movie called The Nest. It's Jude Law and Carrie Coon. It's directed by a guy named, I got have it written down here, Sean Durkin, who did Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Oh, which is kind I of love an that indie movie. movie for, yeah, yeah. So same, same director, and he wrote this too. The best way I can describe it is, what if a crumbling marriage drama was filmed like a horror movie? And it's set hmm. in like Reagan era 80s, which is totally my aesthetic. It looks like everything's shot on like, you know, Kodak Gold, Kodachrome kind of vibe. It is shot on film. And it's beautiful, and it's all '80s cars, and it's a lot of it was shot in Toronto, but it's set in upstate New York and whatnot. And it's just a beautifully shot, really weird, creepy drama. 
Uh, it surprised me like crazy. I've watched it a couple times already, and uh, I loved it. It's called The Nest, and you can get it on Apple TV if you rent it. It's like four ninety nine. Uh, yeah, the trailer looks it. good. Yeah, it's it's great. I didn't even see the trailer. That sounds so up my uh, up my oh, alley. Though. Yeah, you'll love it. It's so good, Jordan. Uh, this isn't sponsored by Apple, even though you can find <laughs> all of them on there. Uh, the biggest sleeper for me, I just loved, is Little America. Have you guys seen this? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I saw posters for it, actually. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, though. So it's uh, Kamel Nanjiani. Um, he's uh, kind of, He's reached always out great, to yeah. um, find stories of immigrant experiences in their short films, all directed by... Um, people from that background uh and typically you know like i'm not a fan of short film anthologies like new york i love you and stuff like that because there's always one good one and a bunch of garbage but they're (laughs) all just they're all really beautiful well thought out and they all share an aesthetic like it does feel all like one piece and they're all a half hour i think there's only eight of them but uh it's like if you were to ask me my favorite movie I this year, I might pick one of those shorts. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's on Apple TV. It's wonderful. And, uh, yeah, it's just a bunch of very interesting, moving. Not Again, it's the Ted Lasso thing. It sounds like it could be weepy and melodramatic, but it's just very moving and human, and it's awesome. So check it out. I believe it. It looks good. Cool. Um, what else do we have? I got – okay, so this one I, like, uh, actually ask I, – I know – uh, Jordan, your policy on video games, because we were texting about it the other day that you used to play them and now you don't so much. Patrick, do you game at all? I, did, I didn't ask you. I mean, I got I got this PC now because I got it because I was like, oh, maybe if we don't know what's happening with Apple, like I'll get into Resolve. And, you know, I pulled a Gary Everyday Dad where I was just like, I'm going to get a PC and that's going to be my Resolve editing machine. And then I just couldn't stand Windows. Sorry to any <laughs> PC users out there, but sure. Windows is just not my jam at all. But now I have this like really nice Ryzen 5 gaming machine that does pretty well. So I got super into Flight Simulator. So Microsoft Flight Simulator for me, the new one that just came out in 2020 is yeah. insane. You guys have probably seen screenshots from it. I even... <laughs> I don't know if many people know this, but I mean, people on the inside know there's a photo on my Instagram of New York, the skyline from like a drone, but it's a shot from flight sim. <laughs> it's a screenshot from flight sim. So it's just, it's one of those games where you're lost for like three, four hours doing nothing. You're just flying around. It's like a game where you just walk around, but it's just so beautiful that you're sitting there three, four hours into a flight from like Singapore or somewhere. And you're just like, I'm engrossed in this. And I was like, all the world just kind of melts away as you're up in the air. It's a very, very fascinating experience. And Wait, that's something I was unclear about. PC, it's it, yeah. something I no, wasn't sure about because I didn't watch the reviews. Is like, is it real time? So, like, if you're flying to Singapore, do you have to play this level for like 12 hours? That yeah, you can great. like speed fly if you want to. But I mean, the okay, real time okay. aspect of it is kind of what makes it interesting. It's like the simulation yeah. part of it. And I'm a bit of an aviation kind of geek just on the side. I just find it interesting. And so you can have it so simulated that you literally have to have like a pilot's license to figure it out. You got to right. call air, air traffic control and you got to figure it out. You got to plot your waypoints and check in when you pass different airports and whatnot. And it is real time. You could do like a 10-hour flight if you wanted to and literally you'd have to sit there for 10 hours. I mean, you could autopilot, go make some toast or something. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's how it really happened. Yeah. That's the real simulation yeah, yeah. is not flying. Totally. <laughs> But it's like I bought a joystick and everything, so it's like I really got I really got into it, and <laughs> I'd, I've taken a break for it because I was just getting a little too sucked in. It was a bit of a time waster when you're doing ten hour flights for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it is a fascinating, just beautiful, beautiful game. Nice, yeah, I do want to try it, especially if I, I always keep thinking about building a PC too. So if I do, <laughs> that'll be the, yeah, the first yeah. thing I test on it. Uh, other than Cyberpunk, but uh, what are you, yeah. Jordan? Did you end up playing nope. anything? 
I did not. All right. Well, there you go. Sorry to I'm, hear this it. Is, the 2021 might be the year. We'll see. You've piqued my right, interest, well. but uh, I, I got to get I, over I, that guilt. Cyberpunk. <laughs> I did pretty good this year for like, I, play, I, I played enough games. Like I got, I got the games in that I wanted uh, without going way down any rabbit holes and wasting too much time. Um, and I like, oh, this was a good year. First of all, the consoles coming out, like this, the whole console area is another reason that this has been kind of an amazing year. So we've got PS5 and the new Xboxes and um, wow, you know, they're great. But, uh, you know, I can go back a little before that, even though I did have the chance to play PS5 games within a year. Miles Morales was great. Cyberpunk is very good. Uh, it works on a PS5, even though it doesn't on a PS4. But um, for me, Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, has to be my pick because it was just so much more ambitious than it had to be. It was insanely beautiful, um, expanded on everything that the original was and all the right ways of both being innovative and new and creative while recognizing what made the original so good. And, and most of this is just in the the world of art. Like it was, it was visually so beautiful and so imaginative and wonderful music and you know a lot of it's coming back from things that were created years ago so they're resurfacing original material but uh just treating with such care and really understanding what made the original good so such a good game i did play through all of it which it's the first rpg i've beat in years and i'll definitely play whatever comes next but i also need to say tony hawk pro skater one plus two. Oh yeah good call good call like, yeah i put so many hours into the original like it's it's probably the game i've played the most ever is just yeah, Tony same. Hawks in yeah. general. Um, and yeah, I just, I just gobbled this up. Like I was so into it and I'm still playing. I know I'll keep playing it for at least another year because it's so good to just like drop into just, you know, five minutes here, 10 minutes there for somebody that doesn't have a lot of time to play games. It's perfect for me. So um, yeah, that one too. <laughs> yeah. So Jordan, I really want to check that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause like, I was, that was the only game the second one that I beat it with every character to get Spider-Man. And that was, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. that was the first year of college and nothing got done. So I need to, yeah, revisit I mean, that. it's another year of a, a good so Spider-Man game and Tony Hawk. Cause the, the original Tony Hawk one was built on the Spider-Man engine. That's how it was developed. So like the early development videos, you can see it was Spider-Man skateboarding around as they were trying to figure out the, uh, like the gravity and all that, like it functioned the same <laughs> as the Spider-Man game. So, um, anyway, man, what a year for games. What a year. What yeah. else do I have? Um, oh yeah. Then I also got book best book. Does anybody read? Yep. Audiobooks qualify. I actually didn't hit up that many audiobooks this year because I wasn't driving. Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah, no, that's, that's generally, uh, but uh, I did grab what my wife, as I mentioned earlier, I was uh, looking for a book uh, and she reminded me I did read one that I really dug. Uh, it's very quick and easy. Uh, it's The Language of the Lens, um, which is. Here, hold that up by, for a video. Uh, by Gustavo Mercado. Yes, Mercado. I have, yeah. I have looked at that book. That is a good book. Yeah, uh, it's really interesting because we're all, it's just about how to tell a story with different lenses used in different ways. But we're all tired of like, you know, the Citizen Kane boy in the snowman, an example, or, you know, the close ups from uh, like a lot of the German expressionist films, stuff like that. This is all very current. Like there are a few classical examples, mm -hmm. but I mean, the, the front of it is uh, the, from the favorite, which really interestingly used ultra wide angle lenses and stuff like that. But uh, it's something that really, 
on a year where I couldn't get on a set really made me want to go try doing some narrative filmmaking again. It just gives you a lot of ideas. It's full color images from all the movies with sequences so you can see how they cut together. Uh, and yeah, you'll plow through it in a few hours. And it's one of my favorite things that I stumbled across. So good that I forgot about it until we started this <laughs> Nice. Podcast. No, that, that is a really good recommendation. <laughs> and I just want to throw in there a thing that has been on my mind because that's very topical too. Is like, I think modern films are underrated in how insanely beautiful they are. Like we're really used to it, but like just go look at some stills from a Marvel movie or a Star Wars or uh you know like Moonlight I was thinking about the other day. Mm. Modern films look so good. It's insane and like there are many older films that are beautiful and of course like we should be looking back to them for inspiration and to appreciate them but like it's the the best the best now is just so perfect <laughs> we have such good lenses and so so much control over our lighting and like there's just we have to appreciate the filmmakers that are out there uh knives out i mean uh, the cinematography is just like yeah there's so much good cinematography right now um and i just want to say that <laughs> uh patrick <laughs> what about you I'm gonna, uh, we didn't specify what kind of book, so I'm going to do a cookbook. So this is Maddie Matheson's Homestyle right. Cooking. And I wish I could pull it up, but I'm actually using it to hold my, la- my laptop up right now. I have it underneath <laughs> that's, the laptop. That's good. Um, High recommendation. I mean, it, has high, it, it, it does hold the laptop steadily. Like, it does hold the laptop out of five. very well. It's, it's yeah, double purpose. It's a cookbook and a, and a laptop stand, which is always nice. Um, if you're not book. familiar with Maddie Matheson, he's like one of the craziest, most like huge personalities on YouTube. He's a chef from Toronto. He's opened a lot of restaurants here too. Um, he's got a wicked YouTube channel that started with munchies at vice and stuff. And now he's got, you know, millions of subscribers or whatever, but he just released his cookbook and you know, cookbooks are always cookbooks, the recipes, but I, what I like what he did with this, though, is each recipe even has a bit of a story too. So you can just kind of sit there and flip through and like read about his childhood and like the inspiration between behind each dish and whatnot. Um, and it's just a really cool, like piece of Canadiana too. It's just a really, he's from Fort Erie. And so it's just like a hometown, real homestyle cookbook. And I've never had like my own cookbook that I'll probably keep for, you know, 10, 20 years. It gives my kids one day, long time when I'm a grandpa or whatever. And I feel like this is one of those kind of cookbooks where you just keep in the family. It's fun. Nice. I'm horrible at cooking, but, uh, maybe a cookbook <laughs> could turn me around. Uh, I should uh, quickly be... mention, uh, that Tash and Stanley Kubrick archives is also excellent as a laptop stand. It's working for me right <laughs> nice. now. While we're on that. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, this is very this is a very practical episode. I think we're helping a lot of yeah. people here. Uh, my pick is going to be John Hodgman's Medallion Status, and kind of every year that John Hodgman puts out a book, I feel like I could just pick whatever he did. I might have picked Vacation Land one of the previous years. Um, I love John Hodgman. Uh, if you didn't see the last Apple keynote, he reprised his role as a PC, which was so great to see him kind of come back for a moment in the classic Mac ads. Um, but he is also a great writer, great comedian, personality, podcaster. Uh, I really enjoy his very dry, like quiet, subtle humor that is absolutely hilarious to me. It's just like it it's all the right tones and medallion status is about flying before the pandemic basically. And uh, part of his sort of like rise and not fall, but like the, the experience of being a pretty well-known celebrity all of a sudden. And, you know, now he's not so well-known, but still doing awesome stuff. So yeah, I really appreciated it. And you can read all his books cause they're all good. Final category. We got one more thing. Best podcast, and of course, you don't have to say this one. Um, I'll, I'll just I'll go through mine real f- quick first, which is called Smartless, and I have been going through every single episode. I've just been binging it over the holidays, 
And it is, it's one of those ones I'm surprised it even exists because it's like so right up my alley. It has Sean Hayes, which I wasn't as familiar with from before this, but he's the actor from Will and Grace and Jason Bateman and Will Arnett, uh, the, you know, brothers of Arrested Development, if anybody doesn't remember. And they are such a great set of guys and they just bring on guests and because they have some very famous friends and they interview them. And um, it's called Smartless and it's the theme is like, oh, it's just going to be dumb humor. But then like you spend some time with them and you're like, wait, these are like the good, like these guys are the good celebrities. There are a lot of douchey celebrities out there that, you know, have sort of been spoiled and turned into shit bags. But these guys are really genuine and thoughtful people. And I come away from a lot of episodes, like even just having interesting ideas about being a creative as a profession. Uh, And like one of the main things I walked away with, I said, this is going to be quick and I'm talking a lot. One one big thing I've I've walked away with that Jason Bateman talks about quite a bit, because he was very famous from very young. Like he was a child actor. Everybody remembers Teen Wolf 2. I certainly do. And um, he has talked about like that, nobody recognizes how much most artistic endeavors, which, you know, that's also what we do, the the three of us here and many people listening, you think that it's um, based on your skill. You know, it feels like a meritocracy where the best of the best will rise to the top. And the reality is that art is not. So much of it is just based on taste and mood and the momentum of the public. And it's something I always have to think about as well. It's like, you know, it's so awesome that any listeners that are listening to this right now are out there, but whether or not they're going to stick around and whether you'll have a sense of what the public wants isn't guaranteed to to stay. And um, just hearing somebody that's gone through like the ups and downs of that and like finding his identities, he's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a huge star. I'm the biggest star in the world and I'm 20 years old. And now all of a sudden nobody wants to cast me in any movies. And he has a quiet period for like eight years. Um, you know, uh, I think it's good to think about that stuff ahead of time if you are ever considering it being in public as part of your job at all. That was a lot to say. But anyway, Smartless, great show. <laughs> Jordan, your podcast. Uh, so mine, uh, I haven't been listening to a lot of podcasts, like a lot of people, because I'm not driving around. So I haven't really looked out to discover a bunch, but I did find one that I'm working through the back catalog on right now. Uh, it's a podcast called Blank Check, and it's it's a pretty interesting premise. They look at directors who had really successful movies. So the studios are just like, here's a bunch of money, go do whatever you want with it. And uh, sometimes they wind up creating masterpieces with that but a lot of the time which i find more interesting they have huge failures uh so i'm listening to the brad bird series right now uh who did a bunch of hits iron giant the incredibles ratatouille um mission impossible uh, ghost protocol and then made uh, tomorrowland which none of us remembered actually happened but uh <laughs> but i love those I love those stories and just you know so often filmmaking is people make their best work with a lot of constrictions and uh so hearing about once those are all lifted so many people struggle with that i find really really interesting and it's just it's funny uh it's very loose most of the episodes are longer than the movies they're talking about but uh, it's a good good listen i am writing nice. that down because i i can 100 percent tell that's it's like so up my alley i need to listen to that um and it like it makes me think of what i spent a lot of time thinking about what happened to the first three star wars films like what went wrong with George Lucas that gave us the Phantom Menace um, and especially Attack the Clones. 
So uh, yeah, kind of, kind of not exactly that, but yeah, I got to hear this. It sounds great. What about you, Patrick? Kind of in the same realm, if you guys maybe already listened to it too, but the Roger Deakins podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amazing. Oh, that should have been my pick. Totally. <laughs> um, there's a really great episode with an Aerie engineer and they just talk about the how the Alexa happened, how all, you know, from the flex back with the film cameras, optics, lenses, just so much like engineering into cameras and stuff that I just never really understood before. And it was a really good kind of like, because, you know, Roger's a, prolific amazing cinematographer but at the same time he, he talks and acts like a like us like he just yeah. chats like a regular dude and i think it's really cool because he, he he's just very down to earth um the jake gyllenhaal episode is also one of my favorites jake gyllenhaal is one of my favorite actors and just the conversation they have about making prisoners which is one of my favorite movies too it's just such a cool you know just look behind the scenes of like how a lot of the stuff that we love is made and there's just really cool little tidbits and facts that you can bring up at a cocktail party when we can have those again soon <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if anybody listening has not listened to the Deacons podcast, like it's just a must listen. If you it's, like it's this so show, good. like yeah. you're gonna like it. Um, did Did you guys catch when I, I tweeted? I think it was maybe three months before the show started that I was like, Roger Deacons needs to have a podcast because <laughs> he was really good in an interview. <laughs> did did you tag him in that? Yeah, <laughs> and now I mean, obviously it's not, but like, uh, but I, I, met, I like, I really felt it. I'm like, I was watching some interviews where he was talking about uh, 19. 17 i was free the year yeah um and yeah. i'm just like he is so well spoken and again i mean the word thoughtful is a good is a good one it's like some people just do interesting things but can't say anything about it that's really productive and he just like he's really thinking about what he's doing he's not he's no dummy you know he he understands the art and the gear and the like just loves the work that he does and is polite and has a wonderful voice and um yeah what a what a guy it's it's so interesting like most of the filmmakers are like people in that that class they're amazing communicators because they have to be yes. to work with that many people all the time so you can tell this is a guy who can just s explain a concept to you very effectively and that's a big part of why i love that podcast yeah, I, I've started to appreciate that in life. In like, just if you're if you're good at something, how much it matters to just have clarity of thought. Like to be to to like expressing yourself well is one element of it, but it's such a big part to actually have that sorted out internally as well. And that's a lot of what you're seeing when somebody speaks well. Um, I've really respected this a lot in uh, Ali Abdul. I, you know, I brought him on for a, a YouTube video recently where we were just talking about like productivity and stuff. And every time I'm talking to him and he's kind of, he, you know, he gives a lot of tips about staying organized and, and productivity stuff. And I'm like, you know, the, the real difference here is like your head is not a rat's nest of <laughs> totally disparate ideas that have nothing to do with each other. And you, you can focus on something for more than five minutes. And I'm like, you know, that goes a long way. And, uh, yeah, I, th that, anyway, that reminds me of the feeling I have with Deacons is it's like, you understand what you're trying to do. Um, you know, it's not necessarily about, uh, every little gadget or, you know, like it's not, he doesn't have the craziest ideas. It's not, um, that he's experimenting the most. It's just like he, he knows what he's after and he can work with the team in a way that uh, gets it done. By the way, I think there's a mistake in a recent episode. Did you, anybody listen to the James Dean one? Um, I don't think he, I listened to that one yet. No, he, he mistook. I think, I think he was referring to Edmonton when he meant Calgary. And I was really disappointed at that because he was talking about the train that they were shooting with. He's like, yeah, there's this old, uh, 
there's this old park where they have old buildings and an old train. And that's what we used to film in Edmonton. I'm like, that's Calgary. Yeah. <laughs> Roger. Remember gotta, which Canadian tweet him again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I hope he'll uh, amend a future episode and, and correct it. But, um, Anyway, that's the end of my list, guys. Uh, I think it was a, a very productive <laughs> way to spend an evening. And thanks for going with totally. all your favorite 2020 stuff. Um, but first of all, or last of all, before we sign off, where can people find you? Uh, Jordan, What's uh, where's the best place to follow you? On uh, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at that Jordan Drake. Um, because uh, Michael Jordan and Drake made a shoe together and rendered me ungoogleable, <laughs> so I am that Jordan Drake. Uh, and then, of course, check out uh, DP Reviews, uh, DP Review TV YouTube channel. That's where all my work is going right now. And uh, we do two episodes a week, and there's always a few more coming out. And Patrick, you're only on Twitter, right? <laughs> you are Twitter, Patrick. <laughs> I have Twitter. Yeah. If anybody's uh, Twitter, yeah, pa- Patrick is one of the most prolific tweeters out there. So. <laughs> I don't know how to carry that that weight. Isaac Knupsi made me an award and like shipped it to my house. It was oh, hilarious. It was I like didn't best, see it. Oh, I best tweeter of the year. He made a whole wow. thing with like an, looks like an Oscar. It was wild. We should have had that category. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Twitter and YouTube. I'm Patrick T. And then the podcast is Top Comment Podcast. Uh, YouTube. We just put out the S5 review, uh, and we're gonna try and get on some sort of schedule this year. I won't. I won't promise anything, but we'll no try promises, to do you know, yeah. <laughs> a video every every couple of weeks. We'll see. Probably once a month. We'll, nice. Who knows what will happen, but yeah. You know, that would be such a good category for next year. I should have thought of that. Anyway, next year, there'll be more stuff. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> nice. 2021 is as... Le- hopefully, it's less interesting than 2020. So, <laughs> thanks again, guys. <laughs> thanks. Thank you. Thank you.